a lot of times we'll hear preaching and we'll sit in services and we might think something like this, well, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that. Boy, they needed that, but they sure missed it. But what we are learning through the book of Colossians and what we will continue to learn throughout the book of Colossians is that everything that is written there pertains to me. Every single word throughout the Bible and, and throughout the book of Colossians especially pertain to me personally. All of the truth that is found inside of the book of Colossians is something that I can learn from. Something that will grow me in faith, will grow me in grace, will grow me in the church. But it's something that I've got to realize that is being told to me. What Paul is telling the, uh, the church at Colossae here in verse 5, we'll go back up to verse 3, and there's a little phrase there I'm going to grab, and we're going to insert it here in verse 5. It says in verse 3, we give thanks. What is he giving thanks for? Well, he goes on in verse 3 and verse 4 to talk about some things that he is thankful for. But at the end of verse 4, there's a comma there. That means the sentence is continued in the next phrase. It says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, which heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Father, I pray this morning that you'd fill me with your presence, and your power. Lord, that you'd anoint my head this morning as I try to preach. I pray that you'd touch my voice, that it be strong. Lord, that I'd be bold in my preaching, that I not fear uh, what to say. But Lord, that I would say only those things that you desire. Nothing more, nothing less. I pray that you get honor and glory from the service this morning. We thank you for your moving in this place. In Christ's name. We're going to be looking at this thought this morning of Paul's thankfulness of hope in the Word of God. There's a lot of things in this life that uh, people will put stock in. Uh, there's a lot of things in this life that we will invest our time and effort and money into. There's a lot of things that we'll try to put our hope in. But I'm glad as the old song says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And Paul is talking here, he says, we give thanks. What is it that Paul is giving thanks for? And then he starts out, verse 5 there, he says, for the hope. I'm glad that in these days where it seems like there is no hope, it seems like uh, that the end is just in sight, like nothing is going right, like everything is just going downhill, like everything is just running out of time. I'm glad that there is something that I can have hope in this morning. I'm glad that my hope is not found in what Washington can do. I'm glad my hope is not found in what the Pope can do. I'm glad my hope is not found in what our local leaders can do. But I'm glad that my hope is found in the finished work of Christ. Because everything else one of these days is going to pass away. Everything else is going to, to go by the wayside. But I'm glad that my hope in Him will uh, last forever. My hope is not built in what I can do. 
My hope is not built on, on my own abilities. It's what we see in this text is hope's reassurance that it's not about me and what my abilities are, what I'm able to do, or what everybody around me is able to do. But my hope is in Him. Our church's hope is not in this new building we're renovating. The building itself is not worth anything if the Spirit of God is not present. We can, we can fill it with thousands of people. We can put millions of dollars into it and it'd be the nicest place uh, west of the Mississippi. But if the power of God is not there, then it's all for nothing. The same is true of this place here. We can invest, we can put a new roof, we can do all of the work. We can paint the walls, new carpet, all of the, the whole works. We could have Brother Fad come back and put us a new ceiling in. But if the power of God is not present, it's not going to mean anything. But I'm glad Paul here is addressing something. He's letting this church know. There's sometimes, maybe you've never felt this, but I sure have. There's sometimes that I get so focused on my circumstances and what's going on that I forget the benefits of being saved. I forget the benefits of, of what I got when God saved me. I forget to look at those things. And Paul here is reminding this church, he is letting them know that you can have hope in something. All of this stuff around you may change. Everything around, there may be those that try to harm you from the inside. But if your hope is placed in Christ, then it's an eternal hope that no man can shake. But we've got to be able to focus our eyes on that hope. We've got too many Christians today. I've traveled across the United States. I know Brother Thad has been across the United States. And there's not very much hope in the Christian ranks anymore. In large, we've lost hope in God. We focus so much on what's out there. We focus so much on what's going on in Washington or what's going on in our church that we've forgotten that our hope is built on Christ. That's what Paul's telling this Colossian church, is it not? For the hope. But I noticed something here and it, it, it began to stir something in my soul says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. I began to think about that phrase, laid up. And I realized something. As faith is, my hope is not built by myself. But my hope is built by the very foundation of the Word of God. He says something in there that, that struck me. I had never noticed it before. You have to forgive me. You've probably seen it a long time ago. But he says in there, for the hope which is laid up for you. In other words, Christ is the one with the hope. And he's the one that holds the key to the hope vault. And is 
long as you're following Him, as long as you're a believer, as long as you're one of His, then He'll give you the hope that you need. It's not about what I can store up in myself. It's not about what I can produce. But I've got a hope that is founded in the vaults of heaven that nobody can take away. The world can't shake it. Satan can't take it. And all of my hope is built in the vaults of heaven. He's the one key. I'm reminded that we've had several people that, that are members here that have worked in the banks in our town. And I begin to think about that little transaction that takes place when I drive up to the window at Atlantic City Federal Credit Union. And I begin to speak to Brandon. And I tell him I want to put this in savings. You know why I can be assured that it's going to be there when I get back? Because the banker is holding it. He's put it in the vault. Do you know why you can have hope tomorrow when the world falls out from under you? When your family falls into disaster? When your job has problems? When it seems like your world is crashing around you? Do you know why you can have hope? Because the keeper of the vault is the one in control of it. And he'll pass it out when it's time. And he'll enable me to use that hope. It's what it says. It's not about the Colossian church and their abilities. For the hope which is laid up. That hope that is saved. Put away. Put back for you. Which is laid up in heaven. I'm sure glad the hope vault is not on earth. Because one of these days, earth's going to burn. I've said it many times. Everybody's so worried about global warming in our society today. One of these days, I promise you, the world's going to get mighty hot. I believe it says something in there about it burning with the fervent heat of God. I'm glad my hope's not in this world. But my hope is founded in heaven. Hope's reassurance. I can be assured of my hope because of where it's found. But there's a reason for our hope as well. There's a lot of things that we tend to hope for or have put our hope in that has no foundation, it has no basis. You see people all the time and they're, they're putting their hope in, in the stock exchange and they're putting their hope in, in Tesla and they're putting their hope in all of these things that, that has no bearing, it has no merit. There's nothing, they put their hope in Wall Street and all of these different places. They put their hope in whoever inhabits the White House or whoever inhabits Congress or, or whoever's pastoring the church or, or whoever's in their local government or whatever. We tend to put our things but God in the book of Colossians is letting us know that we have a reason that we can hope we have a foundation that our hope is built on we have something that we can place our hope in that we know it's tried and true but the way we react is kind of like the little kid walking up to the man with a puppy sign on the side of his van and just expecting good things to happen from it Nothing good ever comes from a situation like that. But is that not how we act and how we react in this world a lot of times? 
We'll invest everything in our being in something that absolutely has no merit eternally. We'll sink our entire life and our entire uh, belief system into something that has no foundation, no bottom to it. But look at what Paul tells this church at Colossians that they have access to. They, they're not alone. They're not walking this thing by themselves. This isn't an accident that they're here. It's not a, a, a fluke that they find themselves where they are. It says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before... What uh, I see something in there that I've talked about several times before in the Word. How can I have hope when it seems so bleak? How can I have hope when it seems like that everything is just falling apart around me? Because my hope is founded in the very Word of God. So what are you talking about, preacher? I know my salvation is sure because of the Word of God. I know He died. I know He went to the grave. And I know He arose on the third day because of the Word of God. I know that He'll keep me for eternity. That nobody can pluck me out of the hand of God because of the word of God. Let's go. I'm going to show you some scripture here. Uh, regarding hope. That we can take. And use in our lives. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. No doubt a very familiar. Passage of scripture. Romans chapter 8. Verse 35. says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Then it goes on to ask another question. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than... Are, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I like this next part. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is nothing in this world that can take my hope because it's founded in Christ himself. Every ounce of hope that I have as a believer comes from Christ and what he did. Go with me over to the book of Psalms, chapter 37. Psalm 37. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, just a, a little bit pieces of it here, because it, it's verse 9 down through verse 22. Well, we'll go ahead and read it. Y'all ain't got nothing better to do right now, do you? 
Why is it that I can have hope? What is the reason behind the hope that I can have in God? It says in verse 9, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Hallelujah. One of these days, all of this mess is going to pass away. Everything around me is going to burn, but I'm glad that I'm preserved by the mighty hand of God. I'm preserved by the book. I'm glad that when I get over there, he's going to read my name off in roll call and I'm going to stand up and say I'm here because he's preserved me this morning yet a little while and the wicked shall not be yea thou shalt diligently consider his place and it shall not be but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace the wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth oh I like this part the Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword, and they bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy, and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Oh, look at this. Their sword shall enter into their own heart. And their bows shall be broken. What's he saying there? That one of these days, all these people, they're trying, to, they're trying to stop Christianity. They've been trying to stomp him out ever since he got here. But I'm glad that I'm preserved. Our, our way of life is preserved in the, the very word of God. Everything that they do will be turned around on themselves one of these days. Their very words that they say to hurt you will go back in themselves and do damage. Their weapons will be broken before an almighty God. A little, that is, a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. Oh, I'm glad that he's the one upholding me. I'm glad that I, I'm not putting stock in what this old world can produce. But I'm upheld by the almighty and everlasting hand of God. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Oh, I'm sure glad that he's the one that's making a way for me when it seems like there is no way. When it seems like the world's getting harder every day to live. When it seems like all is lost. I see these little glimpses. I, I, I felt it these last uh, little while in our building project and all that's going on in the spiritual warfare that I've been feeling lately. I, I've been downtrodden. I've been heart, heartbroken. I've been torn apart inside. It's messed me up pretty bad. But I'm glad that my, my famine is not forever. God has brought his way uh, to provide for me. He blew a little wind of himself in here Wednesday night and refilled my soul and refreshed this, this old tired body. And he gave me something that I needed. I couldn't produce it in and of myself. I couldn't provide it for myself. I didn't know what I needed, but God knew. He brought a group all the way from Kansas uh, to sing here on a Wednesday night in the midst of a, uh, of a work project so that we could be filled with the Spirit of God. What's he doing? He's holding me up in the midst of my famine. This world's getting darker and getting colder. 
But he fed my soul when it seemed like there was no way to be fed. Oh, I like, I like this part about the famine. Begin to think back through some times in my life where God provided for me and my family. Not just physically, but spiritually. Things that we needed. I can remember it was in between our churches that, that we pastored. I just had left Stone Mountain. Things hadn't went real well. In fact, things had went pretty lousy. And I was an empty vessel. I had nothing left. And to be real, real honest, I didn't really care at that point. I've been in this business for 25, 27 years. My dad has been in it for a long time, and that's all I've ever known growing up is the church. But there came a point when I walked out the doors at Stone Mountain for the last time, and they had turned on me and threw me to the dogs and treated my wife like dirt, told her she was inept, unable to do anything. She wasn't worth the ground she walked on. Felt like I just needed to give up. What's the, what's the reason? Why, why keep going? But then he took us to a little old Baptist church out in the middle of nowhere. They can't hardly get four people to come on a Sunday morning. But that pastor loves God. And that pastor loved me and my wife. And he began to shovel into me what I needed. Like that old conductor shoving coal in that furnace. And I'm reminded of it, what it says there in Jeremiah chapter 20. It says, I, I wasn't going to speak anymore in his name. I was through with religion. I was through with Christianity. Go back to concrete inspections. I'm good at that. I know how to do it. Was, was pretty proficient at it. Was making a pretty good living at it. I'm just going to go back to that. But I'm weary with forbearing because his word is like a burning fire that is shut up in my bones. It begins to sustain me when nothing else can. And he parked us at that little Liberty Bible Church under Ronnie and Delilah Goad. And they began to feed into us what we needed. What am I talking about? God giving me that eternal hope. Hope's a reason. Why can I have hope? Because of these promises that he's made to us. He's promised us he'll never leave us, never forsake us. He's promised us that His Word is forever. He's promised us that, it, that if we're one of His, He will in no wise cast us out. He's promised that when we're dry, He'll water us. When we're hungry, He'll feed us. When we're naked, He'll clothe us. When we're sick, He'll heal us. I'm not talking all physical. Sometimes he does that stuff physically, but I know I've had it spiritually on a number of occasions to where he has fed my soul when there was no way to be fed.
Go with me over to Psalm 91. I could keep reading. If you want to keep reading that, go and finish out the book of thir- uh, the Psalm 37. It, it talks about it a lot more in there. But go with me to Psalm 91. Verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Oh, look at this word. Shall abide. That means we're going to stay there. Not going to leave. It's one thing. I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. In that thought of shall abide. I know Brother Thad's probably heard it. I know Brother Brian's heard it. Trevor's heard it. But we always talk about running back to God in our times of need. This real deep, all right? You may have to think real hard to understand it. Did you know that if you're not away from God, you don't have to run to Him? If you'll abide in Him, when those troubles come, you don't have to run back to Him. Running back to Him means that I'm away from Him. But if I'm abiding in Him, means when trouble comes, I can look up and say, you got it? He's got it. I can put my trust in what He can do because I know, because I'm close to Him. Our problem is, as we think, as our own bodies, as our own uh, person, that we have the power to like that base runner in baseball. You ever watch one? They get on first base and they're safe as long as they're on first base. But what do they got to start doing? They got to start sneaking away just a little bit. And they'll look and that pitcher will look back at them and they'll try to beat the pitch back to first base. But if they never left it, they wouldn't have to try to beat it. There's too many of us believers that act like we're in a baseball game and we'll try to sneak a little ways away from God and we'll get a little farther and a little farther and then we'll try to beat the devil back to first base. I'm going to tell you something. If you're away from God, you're not going to beat the devil. He'll get to you before you can get back. But I can promise you if you're near him, he won't ever beat you. Because you can't beat somebody that ain't never left home plate. Let's read on. Reason for our hope. Paul, no doubt, is recounting some of these things in his mind. He knows the scriptures. When he's talking about the hope of God, no doubt some of the scriptures comes to his mind as he's talking to this church. Says he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's a safe place to be. You want to know where a safe place to be is when this world collapses? In the shadow of the Almighty is a pretty good place. It means I'm close to Him. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress. My God, 
in him will I trust. You know how he's going to be your refuge and your fortress? Uh, you ever study about the, the, the castles of medieval times? Uh, that fortress there is the outer wall. In other words, if you're going to be protected, you've got to be inside the wall. You ain't going to get protected from God if you're outside the wall. And he is my refuge. That's the innermost place in that castle. It's the most protected place there. Why can I have hope? Because if I'm born again, i got access to the safest place in the world. I can run to the Holy of Holies. I can crawl up in the lap of God and I can say, I'm having trouble. And I need help. And I can abide there in the throne of grace with the one who is almighty. The one who can sustain me. I'm not going to read it all. You could read down through the end of the chapter and it talks about it. It says, Surely he shall deliver from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers. Under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid. For the terror by night nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh unto thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. We're going to go ahead and read it. I like it. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There it is again. Almost like he understood a principle uh, that we don't understand, that if you stay near God, you're a whole lot safer than staying out there. Talk, man, it talks about it a lot here in Psalm 91, about staying in that refuge and hanging around, habitating that, uh, that place. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh to thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, and the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set up, has set his love upon me. Aren't you glad he set his love on me and you? Mm, that's good stuff. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him. And show him my salvation. God's talking there. And he says these people that are around me. They hang around. If they dwell in my presence. Then there's going to be some things I show them. There's going to be some deliverance that I bring in their lives. There's going to be some salvation that comes. If they're willing to hang around me. You wonder why God's not working in your life. You wonder why you feel so cold. You wonder why you're having problems. In your spiritual walk, could be 
you're outside the walls of the fortress. Could be you're outside of that refuge. Could be that you're on your own trying to do this thing and it's never going to work. Because hope is found inside the walls of the fortress. My hope is found in what God has already done and in what God is going to do. Let's go back to the book of Colossians one more time. Paul understood something here as he's writing to this Colossian church that they may not even understand what they have. Have you ever been given something that was very valuable but you didn't have a clue it was valuable? There's a lot of times as believers we'll get a hold of something and we don't realize just how valuable it is. Paul here is making it known that he is thankful for the hope that they have, which is laid up in heaven. That was heard before in the word of truth and of the gospel. What have we been reading? We've been reading about that truth. Those promises in that book about how we can have hope. You see, that's how hope is born through the hearing of the Word of God. That's how salvation is brought. It's through the very Word of God. It's how faith is birthed. It's through the Word of God. Common denominator being the Word of God in there. Following anything but the Word that's going to hold up or tittles will and otherwise be cast out. The Word of God is going to stand forever. Forever, O Word is settled in heaven. I'm glad the Word is in the same spot my hope is. And I'm glad it's settled there. It's not moving. It's not a vagabond that's going to be here today, gone tomorrow. It's settled there in heaven. You can count on it being there. That's the reason I can have hope. We have hope's reassurance. We have hope's reason. As we close this morning, I wonder. What's your hope in? Is your hope in how strong you are? Your abilities? The abilities of the government to take care of you? The abilities of the school system to take care of you. The abilities of our local government to take care of you. The abilities of the Pope to take care of you. You name it. Or is your hope in the abilities of God to look after you? Church, he's wanting us to understand something. As we get ready to transfer our stuff over to that new building in these next few months. We get ready to inhabit that place. Our hope is not found in how nice our property is. God deserves a nice property and we're working to create that for Him. But our hope's not found in how nice what we have, the nice stuff we have.
our hope will be found in the Word of God that is preached in those walls. The Word of God that will be sung in those walls. The Word of God that will be taught in those walls. He's wanting us to understand when the world falls apart around us, our hope is still found in that solid rock that is called Christ. As we stand, Father, oh, we sure love you this morning. We thank you that you can give us hope, that you are the distributor of hope. It's not found in what we can do. It's not found in physical. But I'm sure glad we can have hope in the spiritual, in the eternal, in the divine. Lord, I pray as we get ready to close out this morning's service that you might work this message down in our hearts. That we might understand what you're trying to tell us we might be able to put it into practice. Oh, we sure love this little book already. We thank you for giving it to us. I pray that our hearts be open as we continue to study it. Lord, that we would be thankful that we can have hope in you. We can be thankful that everything is securely fastened, anchored in the altar of your sacrifice. Lord, we sure love you. I pray that you go with us now as we get ready to close this service. Pray that you'd be with the food that we're about to eat. Lord, that you'd bless the hands that prepared it. We thank you for the willingness of those that have worked this week. Just all you're providing. And I pray special blessings on each and every person that has been involved through this process. In Jesus' name, amen.